clapping your hands and please rise your feet as we receive God's servant the evangelist Doug Ward Mills this morning Father thank you for this great opportunity we have in Jesus name Amen, Amen. you may be seated 
We're excited to be here in Chiripone. I want to find out how many UD pastors are here. Can you all stand up? I want to just have a quick view. All right. Thank you very much. Sit down. You may be seated. How many of us here are pastors? All right. Beautiful. Well, I want to thank the Presby Church for welcoming us. Are you the pastor or yourself? Okay. God bless you. To thank Church of Pentecost also for doing great works over here. Amen. God bless you. Today, I want to share with you about the work of ministry. Amen. So, under the work of ministry, I have about seven points. Number one, you must, if you want to do the work of ministry, the work of our Lord Jesus, you must attempt in your heart to do something great. Amen. Now, many people have a great vision for doing great things in the secular world. But you must attempt and have in your heart a mind to do something great when it comes to God's work before you die. Amen. Daniel chapter 11, verse 52. It says, Those that know their God shall be strong and they shall do exploits. So, knowing God, when you really know God, you will try in your heart to do something great for him rather than accepting to be just mediocre or just an average person. Amen. They that know their God shall do exploits. Amen. Amen. The great works that you do will make people believe in you that you are called by God. Amen. Amen. Jesus said in John 14 verse 11, Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father in me or else believe me for the very works sake. Amen. Amen. Your great works that you attempt to do for God makes people believe that you are in God. When I see this church building um, here in Cheripony, then it makes me see that the Presbyterian church is a great church and that it has done great things. I was recently in Chebi and then also in uh, Odumasi Krubo, I think. Yeah, Odumasi. And then I, I could see the might and the power that has been released through the Presbyterian Church in Ghana, you know. And actually, you know, you can say that 
perhaps the Presbyterian Church has uh, guided the future or the destiny of Ghana more than any other institution or any other political change in the country because the Presbyterian Church is like the first church you know the missionaries you know I am half I'm also from Switzerland my mother is from Switzerland the missionaries came from there so I am I'm conscious of it the whole of there's a part of Accra is named after the missionaries Mission Street Basel Mission and so on that's my mother's hometown so when I see the when I see the Presbyterian Church you see that perhaps more than any person you know when you come to Accra you see the statue of uh, we used to have Kotoka at the airport and then we also had Kwame Nkrumah he was the first president and he was the first overthrower of governments <laughs> But even these people, I'm telling you, the church has done more. Yes, the church has taken on the nation, has guided the nation, education, churches, Christianity. I mean, real exploits, taking up a whole nation. And now when you look around, you see a lot of the white, white things you are seeing. This all rubbish. It's rubbish. So it's like a very large bowler. Yes, because that's all the white, white things you are seeing is the rubbish that has been merged with the ground. Yes. But in the middle of it is Presby Church. Beautiful, shining. And you can see that something different is here. Oh, yes, something different is here. So your works make you believe. You see, believe that the Father is in me and I am in him. I am, I am not a Presbyterian. I'm not a Presbyterian, but you see, the works of the Presby Church makes me believe that the Father is in Presby Church. And God has used the Presbyterian Church, even though I'm not a Presbyterian. I'm the nearest I am to Presbyterian is Anglican. Is the nearest uh-huh. because I was baptized as an Anglican. Oh yes, and confirmed. <laughs> That's the nearest. I'm not. I'm not a Presbyterian. It's the, and my connection to Presby is Basel Mission because that is where my blood is from. There, yes, my blood is from there. Yes, that is the Basel. I can give you the exact address in Basel. I won't give it on the microphone, but I can give you the exact address of my uh, father and my, my grandfather and my grandmother, where I used to stay. I stayed in Basel. Yes. So that's my connection to Presby. So I don't have, I don't, I've not attended Presby, but I can see great works of Presby. Uh-huh. So a pastor... A pastor and a Christian, we must have a vision and a dream to do something great. <laughs> are you listening? Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Yes. And when your eyes are open, you will see the great things that God has done to somebody. And all of us who are younger pastors, 
We have to see what the fathers have done and how they have affected the whole country, the whole nation, a whole nation affected from north to south. Huh? Oh, may you have in your heart uh, the small work of God that you are doing will be a great thing that will really affect people. You know, I have a book called Attempt Great Things. That's actually what I'm preaching from. Attempt great things for God. Amen. Then, the great things that you do show God's approval for you. In Acts chapter 2, verse 22. It says, you men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you in miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as you yourself know. Amen. So, the great things that Jesus did showed that God was approving of Jesus. Yes, he was approved. That verse says, a man approved of God. People may not approve of you. Yes, but God approves of you. And God approves of you by doing things which a man cannot do. Thank you. Yes. A man cannot heal anybody. And a man cannot build a church. I'm telling you. A man cannot build the church. Only the Bible says, take heed to the flock which the Holy Ghost has made you the overseer of. You see, it's the Holy Ghost whom, who raises people to oversee the flock. So the Holy Ghost raised the Presby Church to oversee the flock in Ghana from the beginning. Yeah. So I'm just explaining to you that don't sit there and say, I will do something small. Have a big Vision, a great vision, attempt great things for God. Amen. Amen. Are you there? And as you do that, people will uh, realize that God has sent you. Now, in Jeremiah chapter 45, There is a verse that the prophet Jeremiah gave to Baruch. And it says from verse 1, The word that Jeremiah the prophet spake unto Baruch, the son of Neriah, when he had written these words. Because Baruch was a secretary. 
Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, unto Baruch. Thou didst say, woe is me now. For the Lord has added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sign and I find no rest. But thou shalt say unto him, the Lord said thus, Behold that which I have built, will I break down. See again, you see that it is God who builds. I will build my church. That's what Jesus said. And that which I have planted, I will pluck down. Even this whole land. Then this is a personal word he gave to Baruch. He said, And seekest thou great things for thyself? Seek them not. Seek them not. He said, Are you trying to do something great for yourself? Don't waste your time. Don't waste your time. Seek to do great things for God. Yes. He said, Seekest thou great things, Jeremiah 45, I think it's verse 5. Seekest thou great things for thyself, seek them not. For behold, I will bring evil upon all flesh, but thy life will I give unto thee for a prey. So, here God is advising the man, don't try to do something great for yourself. All the Presbyterians eh, who lived and helped to do the church, all the all the pastors. We don't even know their names. It's the church we know. So whatever they did for themselves, it hasn't even worked. What they did for God, it has worked. And it has had an effect. So seek to make God's work a great work whilst you are here. Yeah. Because whatever you do for yourself, it, it will not, if let's say you were a Presbyterian and you had a big house, even we don't know. Uh-huh. Let's say you were even rich, we don't know. Do you know? Do you know? Do you know the rich Presbyterians? We don't know them. Do you know what they? Whether they had big cars or they had, we don't know anything. But the church, that those who helped to build the church. We can see the church and we can see that it is a power and a great thing. So that's why God says, don't bother to seek great things for yourself. Seek to do great things for the church and for the work of God. Amen. Amen. Are you excited about that? Oh, yes. Everyone who attempts great things for himself is disappointed. Yes. In the life of Solomon, Solomon built many houses. He said, I made me great works and I builded me houses. Hey, in Ecclesiastes 2. And I looked on all the works that my hand had wrought and all the labor that I had labored uh, to do. And behold, all was vanity. It was useless. So everything we do for ourselves is useless. Let's attempt great things for God. And let's try to do something great for the kingdom of God 
whilst we are here. You see, to be in Chiripone is a great thing. Not to build anything, to come here is a great thing. Yes. It's a great thing. Oh, yes. <laughs> it's a great thing. Yeah. To be here. Yeah. So, when I see the Presby Church is here, I say, wow, what a beautiful thing. It's a great thing. And the church uh, is, is like a light. The beautiful light. Jesus says, I'm the light of the world. It's a beautiful light. You can't easily put it out. Yes. You can't easily say, don't, don't be there. It's working. Yes, it's working. The light of the world. Amen. One day there was a man. Jesus said, the crown of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Because I have no room where to bestow my fruits. He says, I will pull down my bands and I will build greater things. But God said, thou fool, this night I, thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So again, this man was attempting great things for himself, personally. But God said, I need you today. And immediately, he was gone. Are you there? Now, one of the things that is sad is that we are all going to die. In our church, we have our own cemetery. For we, 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 we had in our cemetery only one person. We had only one grave in the whole cemetery for many years. Recently, a whole line of people have come there. And because it's our church, we know where we will all be buried. So we can even come and walk on the grass and so that I will be here. <laughs> hey! <laughs> Do you see? That's our destiny, all of us. So why do we want to do great things for ourselves in this world? Let's seek to do great things for God. Amen. Amen. And one day, what I'm saying, you'll be, you'll be glad. So all of us who are up here in the north, because not everybody who is here comes from here. Some of you are missionaries. You don't originally come from this area, but you are here because of of the work of God. It's a great thing. And those who are also from here, it's also a great thing. You must fight to do your best. Amen. Amen. Number two, I told you I was giving you seven points. The first point is that attempt to do something great. Don't attempt to do something small. Number two, 
The second point is always have in mind that it is a great thing to serve the Lord. It is a great thing. Amen. Amen. To serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. Now, serving God, one day somebody said to me, uh, there's a verse that I like whenever I think of serving the Lord. And I want you to uh, listen to that particular verse that I'm going to read to you. Because I feel that it encapsulates an attitude that we must have whenever we are serving the Lord. Do you see? So let me read that verse first. Deuteronomy 28, verse 47. So the second point is, remember that it is a great thing to serve the Lord. And have in your mind always that. Charlie, it's a great thing. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 47. Because thou servest not the Lord thy God with joyfulness and with gladness of heart for the abundance of all things, therefore thou shalt serve thine enemies, eh? which the Lord shall send against thee. Do you see? So he's saying that because you wouldn't serve me with joy, you serve your enemies. Now, serving the Lord must be something that we do with great joy. Hallelujah. We have to serve the Lord with joy. We have to have it in our minds and in our hearts. That it is a great thing. It's a great thing to serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. It's a what? A great thing to serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. You know, one of the best ways to know that it's a great thing to serve the Lord is to lose your opportunity to serve the Lord. That's the way you see that it's a great thing. When you, when, you, when you stop having the chance to serve the Lord, then you see that, wow, it was a great thing. Yes. <laughs> I've never had a crusade that I've not looked back and said to myself, it was a great thing for me to serve the Lord. Everything I have done, I look back and I say, wow, it was a nice thing. It was a great thing. You know? So, have in your mind happiness. Don't grumble and complain. You see, when you grumble and you complain secretly, under tone, you have a lot of complaints. Do you see? There is something wrong with you. And it would be better that you stop doing the work of God. Because God doesn't like people complaining about his work. 
That's why I said, because you were not serving the Lord your God with joyfulness. 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 You have to serve God with joyfulness. If you are not happy to be here, resign and go. Just leave. If you are not happy to be here, please leave. Yes. As for me, whenever I find people grumbling and complaining, my first thing is for them to resign immediately. Honestly, if you grumble, it's even worse than stealing. Like if, you know, when you catch somebody as a thief, and you say, why have you stolen this money? Most people know that, oh, because you have been caught stealing, you will be sacked. But in my life, what I, what I find is that if you are rather caught grumbling and complaining, it's worse than stealing. Yes, and you should be sacked. Do you see? Yes. Not that you don't have uh, anything that is not good, because there is always something that is not good. There will never be a day that you say everything is okay. There's nothing like that. No one has a world that everything is okay. There's, it does not exist. If you are looking for a place and a time where there will be nothing, or a church where there will be nothing that you can say, oh, this part is okay, this church, there's problem with Presby, there's problem with Pentecost. There's problem with, uh, what is our Jesus is the answer, church. We have problems. There's nothing like a church without problems. If you, can, if you know that church, you can show me after. I would like to know that church. You get what I'm saying? Yes. So, have it in your mind. Grumbling is the reason why the... Israelites could not enter the promised land. God said, I don't like you anymore. I will kill. You know, they accused them of genocide. Rwanda, that they killed 900,000. God wiped out everybody in the whole, the whole country. Eh? The first divine genocide was by God. He wiped out the whole nation and left only two people, Joseph and Caleb. Joshua and Caleb. And it was the reason was for grumbling. Are you there or you are leaving? Yes. Amen. Beautiful. Isaiah chapter 8. Verse 5. The Lord spake to me again saying. For as much as these people. 
refuseth the waters of Shiloh that go softly. Mm-hmm. They refuse the waters of Shiloh that go softly. And rejoice in Rezin and Remalia's son. Therefore, now, behold, the Lord bringeth upon them the waters of the river, strong and many, even the king of Assyria and all his glory. And he shall come up over all his channels and go over all his banks. And he shall pass through Judah, he shall overflow and go over. And he shall reach even to the neck. Now God is saying here that because you refuse the waters of Shiloh, that goes softly. You don't like that one, eh? I will send you another waters. Yes. That you may see what is the raging waters of the king of Assyria. You see, God gives us gentle waters that go softly and we are complaining. And he says, okay, since you don't like this one, here is another type of water. Water that kills. And so God is saying that because you wouldn't serve me with joy for the abundance of all things, you will serve your enemies. I'll let you serve someone else. And that is why anytime I find somebody complaining as a full-time missionary pastor, I say, you know something? Here is a job. Go and find a job. Sometimes I'll, I'll prefer to pay a person even for two years or one year for a person to go somewhere and find himself the waters of Assyria for himself. Amen. Oh, yes. You should go and find his own waters of Assyria. Because in as much as you refuse the waters of Shiloh that go softly and gently, I will give you another water so that you see what it's like. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And you see people... Go around, complain. That's why I'm saying that the book is called It is a Great Thing to Serve the Lord. It is a great thing to serve the Lord. I've had Orangu pastors and people that fight either gently underground or speaking openly or whatever. And they find out with time when they leave. You know, I've had a lot of, not a lot, but some pastors leaving. Almost all of them have come back to say that they are sorry. They made a mistake. Almost all. It's a matter of time. Because when you refuse the waters of Shiloh, that goes softly. You later on see the waters of the king of Assyria. (laughs) Oh, yes. With time, you find out that no, 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 no. There are people who complain, uh, working in the church, how much are they paying, how much are they, whatever. You see, that's why I said, for as much as these people refuse the waters of Shiloh that go softly and rejoice in raising and remalia's son, now therefore the Lord bringeth upon them the waters of the river, strong and many, even the king of Assyria and all his glory, and he shall come up over all his channels and over all his banks. 
So they realize that working was a great thing. It was, but you, you can't see. It's like students. Every student wants to be a worker. Every student wants to finish school because they always say, we want a greater thing to work. When you finish and you are working, you realize that, ha, student wasn't bad at all. Like we want to go back to school. Take me back. Then you realize that it wasn't bad at all. The time that you were a student wasn't bad at all. When, when you had a beloved and you were not married, you didn't know that it wasn't bad at all. Now that you married, a woman that was gentle and soft and loving and delicate, you know, in Ezekiel, he calls it the desire of thine eyes. It has not become the desire of thine eyes again. It has become your challenger or your opposer. So you see that because you refuse the waters of Shiloh that were going softly, the Lord has given you the waters of the king of Assyria, strong and many. The waters of the river, strong and many. Oh, yes. And you see, when people don't accept that it is a great thing, we are actually blessed to serve the Lord. They try to find one another and complainers find each other. Oh, yes. You know, sometimes you don't know how people find themselves. One day I spoke with a brother who had a homosexual problem. And uh, I asked him that, how do you find these people? He said, we know ourselves. We know ourselves. And he showed me, yes, he showed me in my church different people who have the same problem. He said, oh, you know this church, so that this person who is doing this in the church, he has this problem. This one has this problem. They know themselves. Then I met another brother who was deeply into fornication. Like, he can just go somewhere to buy food. And the person is buying the food from knows that he is ready, and then she is also ready. And that evening or tomorrow, if they will be in their house to fornicate, yes, the one selling the food. So I so I asked him that, how do you know yourselves? He said, Oh, we know ourselves. We know ourselves. We meet in the church. We know that we are all fornicators. Yes. And the same way, complainers and grumblers, they also know themselves. When they speak and they complain, they find one another in the church. So when there are pastors who are complaining, they find each other on WhatsApp groups, on associations and so on. And you see that they are always together. They have something in common. A complaint. It's, it's almost like sinfulness makes you find one another. Yes. Isaiah chapter 8, verse 9. It says, Associate yourselves, O ye people, and you shall be broken in pieces. And give ye all ye of our countries. And get yourselves 
and you shall be broken in pieces. Get yourselves, and you shall be broken in pieces. Verse 10. Take ye counsel together, and it shall come to naught. Speak the word, and it shall not stand. For God is with us. Associate yourselves, it will be broken. And you'll be broken in pieces. You see, complainers get strength by finding other complainers. You have people who, when they leave the church or they want to leave the church, they want to find others. <laughs> you know, they actually make calls. Well, what is happening with you? I hear you've also you left or you are also not happy. They keep searching to find people who have the same discontentment. It's amazing. But it says, associate, associate yourselves, you shall be broken in pieces. You come together and organize yourselves, conspire together, you shall be broken in pieces, says the Lord. And all those conspiracies and meetings end as you being broken in pieces. The church is a mighty organization. Many years ago when we had a president who said, he made an announcement and he was one of the best presidents, he was doing well. And he said, I'm now going to turn my attention to the church. And when he said that, I knew that his end had come and his end came truly. Yeah, that was the end. After that, there was nothing good that came out of them. Yeah. You want to fight the church. This Presbyterian church I'm standing, which came from Basel with white people, they came here. Go to Keta. Go to Keta. Go to Sugakope, uh, all those down south. They came, the white people, they came here without speaking in tongues. Without speaking in tongues. Eh? Without prayer, without all those things. They were able to stay in Ghana as they are doing, even the juju they were doing in those days is a higher one than this one that has been diluted by the church. The church's presence is so much in Ghana. They were not able to, to kill them. And they built buildings. Go, do, go down there to see. Practically, Keta, Nogokpo, Agbozume, Aflao, all the line, the, the coast, that's where the white people were. They were at the coast. And up Denu and all those places. They couldn't kill them. The cathedrals they built are still standing there. Wow. Oh, yes. Associate yourselves and you shall be broken in pieces. Don't joke with the church because the church is the body of Christ. Yes. Every part of the church is the body of Christ. Amen. So, remember always that what? It is a great thing to serve the Lord. If you forget that, you can make one of the great mistakes of your life. It is a wonderful thing. Yes, it is a wonderful. When I look back, serving the Lord in secondary school, serving the Lord in university, serving the Lord at the beginning of the church, it's it, was, it has been a great thing. 
Today is 2022. In 1992, I started church planting. The first church I started myself, apart from the church, original church, a branch was in 1992. I started in October. I myself went to start the branch in Geneva, 1990. It's 30 years I've been planting churches. When I look back, I thought it was a great thing. 1994, I was planting the church in Zurich, Switzerland. My father died, and I had to come back. I look back all those days. It was a great thing. I went to America to start a church. I went to plant churches myself, praying, fasting 21 days to build churches to start. And I've been sending people, planting churches for 30, 1992 to 2022. If I look back, only the only thing I can say that it is a it, a, it is a great thing. It's a great thing to serve God. Whatever I've been doing, it's a great thing that I was doing it. It's a great thing. You know, so when you see people who come talking, complaining, we want to go to Egypt, we want to go back, we have missed our cucumbers and our this and leek, and we want this and we are not happy. When you see such goes, hey, it's worse than a thief. Because it's coming to steal your ministry. It's coming to make you qualified to be disqualified. It's coming to qualify you to be disqualified. He has located you because he is one. He is one and has located you to join him so that he takes you out of the system and out of your fruit-bearing opportunity. Yeah. I'm telling you. Just like the guy said, that homosexual fornicating group, they found themselves. Oh, we know ourselves. We know ourselves. I'm one of my children in the church, he explained to me, he said, look, he showed me this church, this one who is doing this, this one who is leading worship here, this one. We are all in this thing. He gave me, he said, I can show you. And when I'm walking on the street, even I, I meet. And that's, that's how grumbling and complaining, when they, they know themselves. When you meet uh, this, this, whatever, they talk, they have a way. The church, what this, that, what is wrong with the church? So please make sure, remember, amen. amen. Number, how many numbers do you have? Two. Only two? Yes. Okay. Number three. Always remember that you can do a little bit more. You can do what? A little bit more. Always have in your mind, I can do a little bit more. In 2 Kings chapter 13, on verse 14, Elisha was falling sick of his sickness. And Joash, the king of Israel, came down and wept. And he said to the king, take the bow. And he said, open the window and shoot. And he shot the arrow of the Lord's deliverance. All right? And he said, take the arrows. And he said, smite the ground. Do what? Smite the ground with the arrow. And he smote the ground three times. And the man of God was angry. And he said, thou shouldest have smitten five or six times. You should have done it five or six times. But he did it three times. Hmm? Then thou would have smitten Syria till thou hast consumed it. So this is a famous story where 
the king came to see the man of God. And the man of God did some prophetic gymnastics. Are you there? Yes. And the king of Israel was uh, asked to do, shoot the arrow. And he shot. And he said, you are delivered. Then he said, take the arrow. Strike the ground. He did it. One, two, three. Ah, a man of God. He should have done it. One, two, three, four, five, six. It wouldn't, have, it wouldn't have made much difference for him to do it six times. But he did it only three times. You see? So always remember that you can do a little bit more and it will make a little bit, maybe a greater difference if you do just a little bit more. And that is why this particular book, I don't know if you have one here, is called Can't You do just a little bit more. Can't you do just a little bit more? Everyone who is a man of God. Are you a man of God? Are you a man of God? That's what Satan doesn't want to hear when you say I'm a man. Are you a man of God? Say by the grace. Yes, by the grace. You are a man of God by the grace. If you are a man of God, I just want to tell you, no matter, I don't know, I don't know you, I don't know what you are doing, but I want to tell you something that is 100% true. That you can do just a little bit more. Yes. And sometimes it's the little bit more that makes the difference. Sometimes the main thing you've done doesn't make the difference. But the small one that you add, that's what makes the difference. The small one that you add, that makes the difference. Oh, yes. The small one that you add, that makes the difference. So this particular thing always guides me in my life. Can't you do just a little bit more? You see, I'm here in Tripoli. I'm having a pastor's conference. I have pastor's conferences in other places. Larger meetings. More international cities. But I may be shocked to know in heaven that is the Tripoli one that I did. Do you see? The small one that I added in Tripoli that <laughs> was very... Happy God was happy with that one rather than some other things that I was doing. So, honestly, you must look in your life and you see that it it doesn't or may not cost you so much sometimes to do just a little bit more than you are doing. You are the king. They say smite the ground. One, two, three. I mean, one, two, three, four, five, six. That would have made you win your wars many times. Oh. So that's what makes me write some of these books. Like this book. Can't you do just a little bit more? You know, I went to, uh, I think it was the Philippines. I was in Manila. The largest church in the Philippines. I was preaching there. And I decided to preach this. They were so blessed with this message. What message is that? But you see, this book I could easily not write. So that when I'm writing the book, I'm so tired. You see me sleeping there. I will, I will say one word and I fall asleep. 
I wake up after I continue. Because it's very difficult. If you like, try and write a letter to your friend. Try and write a letter. Yes, try and write a letter. But sometimes I look and say, why don't I try my very hardest best to write a little bit more? Pray a little bit more. Preach a little bit more. Have one more church service. One time, I explained to the first love children, I said, have church on Saturdays. Saturday and Sunday. And actually, there's one more that I want to to tell them. But have church on Saturdays. Have church on Sunday. We only used to have church on Sundays. Oh, yes. Now, last Saturday, for instance, the attendance on the Saturday night was 2,000 people. Oh, yes. That's, I mean, many people take, even those who say they have 5,000, it's actually about 600 people that are there. Yes. 2,000 counting. Saturday night. Yes. And I told them, university churches, just the universities, let them be. So, on Sunday, when we have our other, we don't even, there's not even one bus that's coming from the university. It's only Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday night people are different. Oh, yes. Because I saw it in uh, uh, a country that I went to preach. The man said, you are welcome. We are starting on Saturday. I said, wow. He said, Saturday, it's not a, it's not a convention. That's, we have church. When I went to preach on Saturday, then I went to preach on Sunday, different people. I saw everybody was different. What I, could, I was standing and the people were there. Thousands. Everybody was different. The musicians, the singers, the different. One of the service, they had an orchestra. The next day, they didn't have orchestra. They had different things. Beautiful. Oh, yes. Can't you do just a little bit more a little bit more than what you are doing. I'm, I'm sure everybody sitting here, the Holy Spirit will tell you a little bit more that may make a very big difference in whatever it is that you are doing for him. Amen. Hallelujah. And then, point number four. Make full proof of your ministry. I even have a book like that. Make full proof of your ministry. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 5, it says, Watch thou in all things. Endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of thy ministry. Amen. Make what? Full proof of thy ministry. Now, what does it mean to make full proof of your ministry? 
it means fulfill your ministry. Fulfill it. Amen. It means um, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Amen. It also means to take your ministry to its logical conclusion. Amen. But I want to read it from the Message Bible. It says, but you, keep your eye on what you are doing. Keep your what? Keep your eye on what you are doing. You know, I don't want to mention any particular country. But in many countries, you can see that the eye of the people, of the government, is not on what they are doing. You know that as there's no this here, no this, no this, no one's eye is on it. It's true. You know that no one's eye is on it. Accept the hard times along with the good. Keep the message alive. Do a thorough job as God's servant. Amen. But I want to say, within this scripture are keys to fulfilling your ministry. Number one, Watch thou in all things, which is keep your eye on your ministry. Watch. Watch. Keep your eye steady on your ministry. Never take your eye off church growth. Never take your eye off pastoral work. Never take your eye off shepherding. Watch. Watch. Watch, watch. Can I give you an illustration? Many years ago, I was in France, about 500 kilometers from, um, maybe a thousand. And I was, uh, because it is near the, the UN, so we used to cross all the time when we had a church in Geneva. I used to cross. But, so one day I was there, I knew the area. And then, I traveled to Ghana. I came back. At that time, I was very actively pastoring the church there. When I came back, you know, near somebody's house, I saw that this, this road, it only goes to one person's house. It goes to how many? One, it has been tarred. Oh, yes. Then I came back and I saw Near that place where it goes to just one person, they have made a roundabout. I said, roundabout here? Because of the traffic that was increasing, that they made a small roundabout there. So I realized that there is somebody whose eye is on his work. That's why he has made a roundabout at where there was no roundabout. But when you look around, you can see that somebody's eye is not on his work. Is it not true? Do you feel that also? How many feel that somebody's eye is not on his work? I don't want to say which country it is, but you can imagine which country. Yes. 
But when it comes to the ministry and the church work, keep your eye on your church. Keep your eye on the ministry. If you want to fulfill, let your eye be on shepherding, pastoral work, church growth. Keep your eye on your calling. Keep your eye on your calling. Keep your eye on your work. Keep your eye on the work you are doing. Don't take your eye off it. Watch thou in all things. Number two, endure afflictions. Huh? Afflictions. I was listening to a man of God, Derek Prince. He said, there is more sadness than happiness in this world. Do you get what I'm saying? Yes. And even the happiest marriages will end in sorrow. Even the happiest marriage, the end of every happy marriage is sadness because death will come and take away somebody. Is it not true? He said there's nothing like living happily ever after. It does not exist. You know, not every marriage is so happy that when there's a funeral, somebody's genuinely sad. <laughs> yes, because we have a lot of fake sadness. People buy rub during funeral to put in their eyes so that they can cry and show that they are sad. But for those who don't have to buy rub, do you see? Oh, yes. For those who don't have to buy rob, uh, even them, it will end with sadness. So, hardship must not drive you away from fulfilling your ministry. That's why he said the second key to fulfilling is endure afflictions, endure hardships, endure problems. Don't let problems drive you away. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Don't let problems drive you away. Huh? Don't let problems drive you away. That's why we are here. We are here. There's nothing. There's nowhere we cannot go. There's no place that is far. There's no problem that cannot be overcome. Or that is a problem that will prevent us from fulfilling the ministry that God has given to us. Endure afflictions. Watch thou. Keep your eye on the ministry. Keep your eye on church growth. Fight for church growth until the church grows. Endure afflictions. If you want to fulfill your ministry. And the third mysterious command for fulfilling your ministry is Do the work of an evangelist. Yes. That's what it says. Do the work of an evangelist. And then make full proof of your ministry. Now, anyone who is not doing the work of an evangelist or not doing evangelism has, cannot fulfill his ministry. You see, because ministry exists Churches exist for evangelism. You see, can you imagine 
that I've come to Tripoli or any town to open a Chinese restaurant. Okay? I've come here to open a Chinese restaurant to provide Chinese food for us here in Tripoli. Do you see? And now, three years after I opened the Chinese restaurant, we are still serving fufu and banghu, whatever. We have not started serving the Chinese food. No, no, I've written on a Chinese restaurant. Tripoli Chinese restaurant. And up to now, I'm still not serving Chinese food. But I'm serving banku and whatever. Or even I've turned it into a nursery day care center and I've written on it, Chirponi Chinese restaurant. And I'm not actually serving food there. We are doing a nursery school. The reason why I came and the reason for making that building and writing there, it's not being done. The reason for the church, go ye into the world and preach the gospel. If it is not being, who, who, who was that? Who was that instruction given to? It was given to the church. So unless the church is evangelistic, under, on top, inside, on the side, and is evangelistic in everything, doing the work of, of an evangelist, you will not be fulfilling and cannot be fulfilling your ministry. That's why when Paul was saying to people how to fulfill their ministry, he said to them, number one, keep your eye on the ministry, what you are doing. Number two, endure affliction or whatever problem comes up. Don't let it throw you off course. And number three, do the work of an evangelist and then fulfill the work of your ministry. Without keeping your eye, without enduring afflictions, and without being evangelistic, soul-winning pastor, winning souls day by day, all the children that we see around, if we don't evangelize, we may call ourselves a church, but we'll never fulfill our ministry. We'll never fulfill. All these people, they are all so winnable souls. They are all winnable souls. They are all winnable souls. Winnable souls. Oh, yes. Winnable souls. Winnable souls. I started doing church planting in 1992 up till today. When I say church planting, the church was started earlier. But as a branches, I've been doing it 30 years now. This is the 30th anniversary, 30th year of planting branches. But I'm still winning souls. The last time I had the meeting, I realized we were winning souls at the university and I realized that the university were getting used to us. I said, let's move to secondary schools. Oh, yes. And some of us are too big to go to secondary school to win souls. Meanwhile, that is where there is a winnable soul. And you are called pastor. You are called pastor. When was the last time you even witnessed to somebody? That's why you cannot fulfill your ministry. Nobody can fulfill his ministry unless he does the work of an evangelist. The reason for the church is evangelism. If you don't know, I'm telling you. The reason for the Presby Church was to win souls. That's why Presby Church came from Basel and came together to win souls in Ghana. That's the reason why they came here. They were not looking for something in Ghana. They were not looking for gold. They were not looking for anything. (laughs) They were looking for souls. 
So this is why they came. The unbelievers had different reasons for coming here. Ghana was called the Gold Coast because there was gold here. Cote was called the Ivory Coast. Other parts was called the Slave Coast. There were different reasons for coming here. But the reason for the Presbyterian Church to come in here was not to make slaves, was not to get ivory, was not to get gold. It was not a slave coast to them. It was not a gold coast to them. It was not an ivory coast to them. It was a soul's coast to them. And that's why they came here. Are you listening to me? I had a little book here called How You Can Make Foolproof of Your Ministry. Oh, yes. How to Make Foolproof of Your Ministry. It's based on this verse. Oh, yes. Endure affliction. Do the work of an evangelist. Do not set up a Chinese restaurant and make a day nursery school in it. And if written on a Chinese restaurant, please be serious. Start making Chinese food because that's the purpose for which you came here. (laughs) All right. Are you there or you are leaving? Oh, yes. How many points have I given you? Only four points. Number five. Many are called. Many are called. You know, when you read this beautiful verse, many are called. You see, it has two parts. Amen. It has two parts. The first part is that many are called. And the second part is that few are chosen. Amen. Matthew 22, verse 14. Matthew 22, verse 14. Many are called, few are chosen. I have a book called, Many Are Called. But I also have a book called, Why Few Are Chosen. Few are chosen. I also have a book called Few Are Chosen. <laughs> it's not here, but I have it. Many are called and few are chosen. You can read either one. Now, many are called. God will always call many. That is why in Tripone, we are going to give scholarships for some people to come to Bible school. Do you know why God calls many? You see, if I take you to America, to Houston, some of you here, you may die in the first one week that you are there. <laughs> because m- more people die in America than many other countries every day. 
if you are a black man and you don't know how to you see, when the police stop you you have to know what to do but if you if you do something they will think you are going to attack them and then very rarely they shoot you oh yes you may be arrested on the first three days doing something you don't know what to do. Even though you may want to go to America, you'll be surprised. Yes. I remember a brother who went to Switzerland and he went on the train. He thought the train was free because there was no conductor. There was no um, meat collecting the tickets. When they reached somewhere, some people just came on as normal passengers. Then they put on their, what do you call it? And they didn't know who they were. When they came and asked him, what's your ticket? He said, what ticket? Because when, we, when I was born, there was no ticket, there was no whatever. I said, no, 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 no. When they got to the next stop, he said, calm down. Where is your passport? Where they? Straight to the police. He was arrested on the first day. Oh, Yes. A few days ago, I was in Europe. I was in London, and I was driving. The person who was driving me told me that the car behind us is a police car. Oh, yes. I turned behind, and I saw a Mercedes-Benz with a guy, like a man with his girlfriend. And the driver who was driving us, he knew, because the man gave a signal, and then they move off. Oh, yes. And then the car came to pass. It was like a guy in his game, like a movie. <laughs> Just like a movie. So, you see, if you don't know, and I send you from Chiripone to London now, I realize you have been arrested. That's why many are called. God calls people who are good for Chiripone, people who are good for England, people who are good for America, people who are good for everywhere. Oh, yes. So, without God calling many, the work cannot be done because the world is divided into many, 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 many groups. Yes. Oh, yes. Some time ago, I I used to travel with, when I travel with a suitcase. But one day I traveled with a suitcase. And that was the last time. From that time, I said, no more. Because when I reached where I was going, I will not tell you where. My suitcase didn't come and I was supposed to preach. So I have to go and buy something to wear. Now, when I went, not knowing that, everybody in that country where I was, was short. So, (laughs) the shoes, the, the biggest shoe is like... A child, a smaller shoe. The biggest trousers are up to here. (laughs) Yes. The people are different. Oh, yes. The tallest man was short. The shortest man was very short. (laughs) So, there are different types of places and different types of people. And that is why God calls Many, many different, 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 different types of people. Because he has work for everybody.
everybody. Everybody. Yes. One day I, I was at a certain town and the priest came to introduce me to, to introduce us. And I realized that he, he couldn't speak English well, but he could speak the language of the people well. Because when he was introducing us, I realized that he was struggling. But I, as I was looking, I, I saw that no, this man is good for here. This man is good for here. It's suitable. So many are called. You are one of those who are called. There is nothing like, there's no place for me. There's nothing like, it does not exist. There's a place for everybody. And I see you fulfilling your calling in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Number six. Lay people and the ministry. Now, what is a lay person? Amen. What is it? I'm talking about ministry. Is that not the topic? The ministry, the work of ministry. And I'm giving you seven keys that are important in the ministry. The first key is what? Attempt great things. Have a great vision. Number two. Know that it's a great thing. Always be happy. Receive the soft waters of Shiloh that flow softly. Yes. Number three. Remember that you can do a little bit more. Number four. Make full proof of your ministry. Number five. Many are called. Number six. Yes. Or Lay people must be in the ministry. Lay people must be in the ministry. Now, the Bible says that if we are faithful in the least, Luke 16 verse 10 is also faithful in much. He that is faithful in the least is faithful in much. Luke 16 verse 10. Be faithful in little and then you'll be faithful in much. I believe that lay ministry is the certificate for ministry. It's your certification for ministry. Yes. You have done ministry without pay. It's your certification for ministry. Because freely have you given, freely have you received. Freely have you given. Freely give, freely receive. You freely give. You freely receive. It's the certification for ministry. When someone has not worked as a lay person, that is, do things for God in the church without pay, the person doesn't understand real ministry. As I'm here, I'm not looking for money. Do you think I came here to look for money? I'm, I'm coming to see who are the rich people in Tripoli so that I will get something from the people. No, I don't think so. But I am happy to be here. Are you listening to me? And I'm happy to be doing my ministry here in Tripoli. I'm happy to be. This is one of the greatest pastor's conferences to me. Oh, yes. yes. 
So, why am I happy to be here? I'm happy to be here because I'm freely giving what I have freely received. And it is not based on anything other than freely giving. And that's what a lay person learns how to do. I believe that if you show me your certificate of having been a layman, somebody who works without being paid, is the greatest certificate for you to be at a high level in ministry. That is why sometimes people are laymen. And after they are lay people, they come into full-time ministry and they soon become bishops. And somebody asked, but I came to full-time before this person. How come this person has been made a bishop? How come this person is being made a bishop? I came to uh, the church. I've been working as a full-time person in the church. Lay people even know real ministry sometimes more than full-time people. Because they just work from their heart, those who do it well. So that is why I'm saying that lay ministry is a certification. It says, he that is faithful in little is faithful in much. There are many places you cannot be there without being a lay person. We sent our pastors to a uh, missionary to Bangladesh. Bangladesh, when you see a black man, you know that he's a black man. They will ask you for your passport right now and deport you just now out of the country. When you go to Sri Lanka, the people there, they are all a certain color and a certain height. What people don't realize, it's not only color, it's height. Height is also part of it. <laughs> There's nobody as tall as you. There's nobody as big as you. Yes, you'll be the tallest man in the country, apart from your color. Oh, yes. So, lay people are people who have to work and get jobs and try to do something to stay around. And there are many places you need to have a job in order to stay there. Because when you take offering, you may not get much. You may not get much. True or not true? So if you are depending so much on people giving, then you've not learned real ministry. And I believe that the great churches, Pentecost, for example, many of their people are laymen. Redeemed Church of God from Nigeria. Most of them are lay people. Nigerian laymen. In so many countries of the world. The largest church in the world, Yongicho, had lay people, mostly women. They don't charge anything for what they are doing. If I was trying to get money from you, everything would change. Bring your money, bring your money. Bring your money. Where is money? Bring money. Pay, pay, pay. Pay for this, pay for this, pay for this. Huh? Is it not true? Yes. Everything changed. That's why your lay ministry is your certificate. Remember that. Your lay ministry is your certificate. Your accomplishment as a lay person unpaid, unpaid volunteer is your certification for genuine ministry. Amen. Rarely have I worked with somebody who did not work first for me without being paid before being paid. Are you with me? Yes. Rarely. 
have I worked with anybody who did not work first for me without being paid. Amen. So, I want to encourage everybody. Learn how to be a farmer and a pastor. How to raise chickens and be a pastor. How to have a farm and be a spiritual. As you are reading, you will be praying. As you are watching, you will be praying. As you are earning money in your shop or whatever you are doing, you will be praying and become more spiritual and more anointed. God anointed me as a student. I was a student in medical school. And when I was in medical school, I was praying all the time. I was praying about the work of God. In my final year, in 1988, I was in Suhum doing my medical work. And I do, I do everything, finish with it, put it down. Then I continued praying. And I was praying in my room in the middle of the night when the anointing from heaven came upon me. And I heard a voice in the room. And the voice said, from today, you can teach. That time I was a student. I was not a worker. I was nowhere near full-time ministry. I was in final year medical school. It was 1988. And suddenly I heard a voice say, from today, in the room, the voice said, from today, you can teach. From today, you can teach. That's when I had the power to teach. That's why I'll be there. And then somebody called me. I want you to come to my country to come and preach. I want you to come. We will pay. We will pay thousands, whatever it costs, for you to come and preach to us. Speak to us for 45 minutes. Why? And we pay so much for you to come. Hey, why? From today, you can teach. It's a supernatural power that God gave me. That's how come these books are here. I've never heard of these books before. I've never heard of them. Each book is a miracle. Each book is unusual. Even the titles, you are not likely to get titles like that. You know, sometimes when you see a book, you realize many books are called similar titles. Yes. How to prosper, how to, how to do this, how, I mean, a lot of great things. Dominion of this, this and that. Many books have similar titles. But if you look at these books, you realize that not so many. Some of them don't have a lot of counterparts. Oh, yes. It's a miracle. And it's translated in about 60 languages. Yes. A lot of languages. Different countries. It's from anointing. As a lay person. I was a lay person when I became anointed. So when you put aside lay ministry, you are putting aside your certification. Your certification for ministry is your lay ministry. Your qualification that you worked without being paid for so long, so happily, full of joy. You accepted to serve the Lord with joy for the abundance of all things. What a blessing. All right? So lay people and the ministry. Now, the last key is that I'm going to give you is something that um, I learned, I know, I wrote it in my, myself, my own book, but recently somebody told me what was in my book. And uh, it surprised me. Yes. 
Do you want to know what it was? He told me that, you know, what you said, I was preaching. He said, what you said is chapter one in your book. I said, which book? Which book? He said, oh, it's chapter one of a particular book. Because I was talking about the ministry and something in particular, which is the seventh and the last point that I'm making this morning. And he told me, Daddy, that is the first chapter of your book. So I went to take my book and open the book. And lo and behold, it was chapter one. And not only was it in chapter one, but it was the title of chapter one. Oh, yes. That's why I said the books are supernatural. And that book is this book. The top 10 mistakes that pastors make. The top 10 mistakes that pastors make. And I'm sure some of you who know this book are wondering, what is chapter (laughs) 1? You're trying to think, what is chapter (laughs) 1? What is chapter one of this book? You've forgotten, isn't it? I had also forgotten. <laughs> what is the top mistake? And what is chapter one in this book of the top ten mistakes that pastors make? And what is the chapter one? And when I open it, to my surprise, chapter one says the top mistake is being slow about ministry. Being slow about ministry. Yes, that's a, that's a word. Being slow about ministry is the top mistake, number one mistake. Being slow. Wow. So you need to be faster in all the things you've decided to do for God. Because this morning's conference alone, you have heard so many things. There is nothing like successful or good ministry without a lot of speed. That's why as we've come here, we have not just come to Cheriponi for three days, then we are going back to Accra, we sleep, and then come in July to go to another place. No. We are continuing. One, 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 one. That's it. Being slow about ministry is a top mistake that people make. So in everything that you are doing, you now need speed. Because I told you, I was talking to you about ministry. Speed. Whatever God has said to you, do it. When God told Abraham, circumcise yourself. Do you circumcise here in the north? Yes. But I will tell you, there are some countries Nobody is circumcised. I've preached in some countries. Nobody is circumcised. In fact, when you preach this circumcision in a way, one time a pastor came and told me that, you know, um, what this circumcision, whatever, and so on, that it's almost like it is offensive when you are even saying certain things of circumcision as well, because nobody is All the men that are there, nobody is circumcised. In Africa here. In Africa here. Oh, yes. Nobody is circumcised. Oh, yes. Yes. 
So for God to speak to grown up men and tell you that be circumcised and the very day that Abraham woke up, I think he had it for his quiet time. It was his quiet time that God told him that he should be circumcised. And then you go out, look at, look outside, look at and Abraham went and found some stones. Abraham went to find stones because you imagine even today what there is. So he went and found stones and others to circumcise himself and others because as you can, this one is a bit sharp. And he said, "This morning, God told me I should <laughs> circumcise." It's not even something that we are going to think about. We are not going to think about or going to discuss it. That we are going to use the stone and stone to cut. Eh? Are you listening to me? Yes. Including himself first. And everybody agreed to do it. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Speed. That's why he's called the father of faith. And that's why God loved him and said, I will make you the father of all nations. In your names shall all nations be blessed. And through you, all nations will be blessed. Now, may a very great person never be forgotten because of your speed of obedience. So remember that being slow about ministry is one of the greatest mistakes of your life because when you woke up this morning, you were one day nearer to your funeral. Not a funeral, your funeral. Your funeral. The day you will be lying there like that. Today is one day nearer. I don't know how many days there are to your funeral. Have you heard of Princess Diana? Princess Diana, the princess of Wales? Oh, yes. When she died, I was watching the funeral. And... The funeral was on a Saturday. I mean, we were just stunned as we were watching her. Funeral. Is this the princess? She was a princess for the whole world. Huh? 36 years old or something. Yeah. I mean, when a, a woman is 36, She's even more beautiful than when she's 16. Oh, yes. 36. Mature. And there she was being led. But what occurred to me was that the Saturday before, she was having a good time in Paris. And she had no idea that next week by this time, the whole world is attending your funeral. Yeah, that you have actually one more day. Lord have mercy. You have just one more day. It was Saturday night that she had the accident into Sunday morning. When we woke up Sunday morning, we put on the news. The princess is gone. Amazing. So, be slow about ministry. It's a great mistake. It's a mistake for anybody doing anything. 
Do it quickly. Do it quickly. Do your best. Do something great for God and leave it behind. Look at what the Presbyterians have done. Look at what the Presbyterians have done. And let's learn from it. They are our fathers. They were the first here. And God will bless you. Amen. Stand to your feet. Lift your hands and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you. Yes, Lord. Pray in a moment. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit. Touch our lives, Holy Spirit. Touch our lives. Hey, Mama, 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 Mama,
Of the spirit. Yes. 